Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open the Bible to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And if you're following along with us in our Bible reading plan for the church this month, we're reading through the book of Joshua. When we spend a lot of time in Joshua, especially in our sermons on Sundays. So I encourage you to read through the book. One of the things you follow along in our bulletin, we have the Bible reading plan to get you through a number of books of the Bible throughout the year. And also encourage you to read one chapter out loud a day so you can grow in your faith. Amen. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. We spent a lot of time last week on a message called Fear is the Enemy. And if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to download the message for free from the website or from the podcast and listen to that. We identified fear and how it is something that robs the people of God from the promises of God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Say, be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you whithersoever you go. One of the things we said last week about neither be thou dismayed is not have a panic attack. Don't break down as a result of fear. So he's talking to Joshua about fear because one of the things we talked about last week is one of the reasons the children of Israel did not enter into the promised land was because of fear. Fear kept them from receiving God's best. When they were only supposed to spend a few years in the wilderness, they ended up spending 40. One of the reasons was because they were afraid. When you read through Deuteronomy chapter 7, God is making it very clear. He says, I didn't pick you Israelites because you were a strong nation or there were a lot of you. He keeps on going in that chapter in the next chapter. I didn't even pick y'all because y'all deserve it or y'all were good because you were not. I'm like, ooh. He said, I picked you. I gave you this land. Because I love you. And I'm keeping a promise to your ancestors. And so he's doing all these things out of love. But as we covered on a previous Sunday, they did not believe the love of God. They didn't even believe God loved them. They thought God hated them. And they didn't receive what God had for them. One of the main reasons was because they were afraid. And if Joshua let fear operate in his life, he would not be able to possess the promised land, much less lead others in receiving the promised land. Fear is the enemy. Say, fear Fear. is the enemy. enemy. One of the things we saw last week is fear defeated the children of Israel, not any physical enemy, giant, or battle. It's not like they went to battle and law said, we can't do this. Before they ever went to a battle in the promised land, before they ever took on a giant, Before they ever tried to take what God had for them, they were afraid and says, we cannot do it. As we talked about on Sunday, it went to their vision, but also went to their belief about God and their belief about themselves. So one more time, say, fear is the enemy. enemy. 
So one of the things we said last week, tonight we're going to do a fear flush. At the start of the year, people do fat flushes. They do all these different health things. They do purges. They do cleanses. They do all these things. Tonight, we're going to do a fear flush. We're going to do a fear cleanse. Because you can literally flush fear out of your life. Go to 1 John 4, 18. 1 John 4, 18. I put all my notes on the Bible app so that you can read along with me. But there are several notes I put up there I may or may not get to tonight. So you can meditate on and go over because I put certain definitions of certain scripture passages just to be a blessing to you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Fear can be flushed out. You do not have to live with fear. Fear is the root of many insecurities, but I dare say all of them. If you have insecurity in a relationship, the root is fear. You're afraid they will leave you. They're afraid they will, you're afraid they will hurt you. You're afraid they'll do this. The root is fear. Now, a lot of the different things people are afraid of is rooted in what we call last week the master fear, the fear of death. People who say, oh, I'm afraid of flying. No, you're not afraid of flying. You're afraid of dying. You're afraid of that plane crashing. You're not afraid of water. You're afraid of drowning. People, fear is the root, and one behind it is the fear of death. And that fear, as we saw last week, paralyzes people, keeps them from moving forward. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect, that word perfect means full-grown, mature, complete. Full-grown, mature, complete. That means if it's perfect love, mature, grown-up, complete love, there is some love that's incomplete. There's some love that's childish. There's some love that's not quite there yet. There's some love that's immature. Notice it says, mature, grown-up, complete love, cast out fear. Which lets you know if the love at work is immature, incomplete, or not full-grown, fear will remain. If the love operating in your life is not complete, full-grown, or mature, fear will remain. Where love is not king, fear has a home. Where love is not king, fear has a home. This word cast out, this phrase means to throw or to let go of a thing without caring where it falls, or to pour out a liquid or to drive out. Notice the verse goes on and says, because fear has torment. The only other time this Greek word for torment is used in the entire Greek New Testament is in reference to the torment of hell. It says, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. If you are afraid of anything or have any type of fear operating in your life, you are not mature, grown up, or complete in love. Now, fear by itself is bad, but fear with torment is worse. What do I mean? Mr. Barksdale, come here for a second. I'm going to put out your arms like this. Fear has torment. If Satan wants to get torment in your life, 
there has to be something for him to hook on to. If you operate in fear, you create a hook. Satan can add whatever he wants because not only you've opened the door, he has something he can put on it. Thank you. So my question to you today is have you put out a hook for the enemy? Some people are tormented by things and wondering where is it coming from? You have fear somewhere. And we're going to go through things tonight so that torment has no place to stay. Because if you deal with the fear, you cannot be tormented. Perfected, grown up, mature love casts out fear. Say fear is the enemy. The Amplified Classic Edition says it this way. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. We don't just want fear gone. We want every trace of it. We don't want a little drop here left, a little drop here that, but none of it is left at all. That is what our goal is tonight. Because it says, for fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. Another way to look at this, if you're always walking around thinking that God is about to zap you, you're not grown up in love. You're living in fear of divine judgment. And that is still fear. God has not called us to be afraid. He has not given us the spirit of fear. So all the Bible says fear God. That word means reverence. It's a difference. You can't be afraid of someone you love. That doesn't work right. We have to rid ourselves of fear. So let's back up a few verses, starting with verse 16 this time. And it says, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, mature, grown up, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. So in order to flush fear from your life, number one, you must know the love God has for you. And number two, you must believe the love God has for you. In order to flush fear from your life, number one, you must know the love God has for you. Number two, you must believe the love God has for you. So let's look at what, does, what is the love of God to us. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. You know, some of the things about this are very elementary. But if you don't do the elementary, you can't do what's past that. People want some deep things from God, but if you don't do the first things of God, you never get to the deep things. Romans chapter 5. We'll look at verse 8. And one of the things when it comes to dealing with fear, you should take a fear flush and put it as part of your normal routine. It may not be something you do every day, but it's something you check up every few weeks, maybe every few months. Just like you would do a natural cleanse, you need to check to see if fear is there. There are certain things when we'll get to this because you have to know and believe the love of God. There's certain even protocols I've set up that every once in a while, I'm going to do a fear flush to make sure there's no fear hiding somewhere. Because once the things, when you're on the lookout for it, Satan will be sneaky with it. And you may not even know it's there 
until the terror shows up one day. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God commends his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The New Living Translation says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Verse 9 goes on in the King James, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Because of the love of God, this is how he showed it to us. We have been made justified. Justified means made righteous. So all those who receive the love of God are saved and delivered from wrath and eternal punishment and damnation. The love of God made you just. It goes back to the very simple scripture, John 3.16. Let's go there. What is the love of God towards us? While we were sinners, God sent Jesus. Jesus came and he made us just. He delivered us from eternal punishment and damnation. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't have in the back of your mind, oh, I might mess up and go to hell. Jesus dealt with that if you're a believer. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world or to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Because God loved us, he sent Jesus. 1 John 4, 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Verse 10 says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means atoning sacrifice. What does that mean? Jesus took all of your sin. When he came as the atoning sacrifice, God took your sin and put it on Jesus. When you read through Isaiah 53, especially verses 4 through 12, you'll see that surely he has borne our griefs. He's borne our sorrows. You go through all those things. One of the things you do as you read that passage, you'll see that God took the punishment we deserved and he put it on Jesus. He was beaten, he was whipped, he was bruised, he was humiliated, he was shamed so we wouldn't have to be. Then he died in our place, went to hell in our place, and was raised for our justification. God is not trying to punish you because he puts your punishment on Jesus. God has no delight in you being punished because someone already paid for your punishment. So you walking around being afraid that God's going to zap me one day, you're going against everything the sacrifice of Jesus was for. God is not looking to judge you. Yet there is judgment still on the earth, and believers receive judgment because they don't receive what Jesus did. What did Paul say? Judge yourselves, and you will not be judged. Why? Jesus already paid the price for what you did. And if you would judge yourself, yet that's wrong, I'm turning from it, you won't receive the punishment for what you did because someone already paid for it. One of the things we said in that verse, if you're always walking around afraid that God is going to get you, you're not grown up in love. 
Jesus said, loving me is keeping my commandments. And so if you're always going around doing whatever you want to do, you're not grown up in love. You love yourself, but you don't love Jesus. You don't love others. And fear will be present. You have to understand God does not take delight in punishing you. God even said in the Old Testament, I do not delight in the death of the wicked. He delights when men turn and do what is right. Look at John chapter 3, verse 35. We have to know and we have to believe the love of God. It says in the King James Version, John 3, 35, the Father loveth the Son and has given all things into his hands. Now, if you think what Jesus went through, as I just described in short for us, God the Father gave Jesus a mission. Jesus accepted the mission and did everything God said. How many know the Father, of course, loves the Son? He did everything he said. It says here that he loves him and gave him all these gifts. You read Philippians, it says that he was given a name above every name. It talks about what he was given in Hebrews because of his conquest, what he was given. When you look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 14, what are we seeing in heaven? Worthy is the land that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature was in heaven and on earth and under earth, and such are in the sea. And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor, glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne unto the Lamb forever and ever. And when the four beasts said amen, and the four and the twenty elders fell down, and worship him that lives forever and ever. Wait a minute. We're saying all these things belong to Jesus because of what he did. Right? You read Revelation chapter 1, it says, Because he loved us, he made us kings and priests. Right? But John 3.35 says the Father loved Jesus, and he gave him something. But I like how the New Living Translation says it. Now, the message version, actually. It says the Father extravagantly loves the Son. He turned everything over to him so that he could give it away. A lavish distribution of gifts. Who did he give it to? When you read the end of Isaiah 53, he divided the spoils with the strong. You're the strong. You're the just. So Jesus, when everything he went through, because the Father loved you, because he loved you, was rewarded beyond measure and took all of his reward and gave it to you. That is the love God has towards you. And we see that the Father loves the Son extravagantly, right? How many believe that? That's most of you. How many believe that the Heavenly Father loves Jesus extravagantly? You got to think, if Jesus did everything, my God, how much does God love Jesus? I remember Brother Jesse talking about his testimony when he went to heaven. And I read his story about it. And he, one of the things that stood out to me 
It says, he looked at how the father looked at the son and how the son looked at the father. And he says, you can't even describe the love they had for each other. It was so amazing. It was so magnetic. It was almost like he said he watched the fathers like Jesus came forth from the father and stood there ministered to the congregation in heaven. And he said as they looked at like each other, he says they're just standing right close to each other, but it's almost like they missed each other already. How intense was that love? How extravagant was that love? How amazing was that love? Go to John 17, 23. This is a prayer of Jesus. Notice what he's praying. John chapter 17, verse 23. Read it with me. Say, I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. You all said that you believe that the Father loves the Son extravagantly. God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. The Father loves you extravagantly. Not because you did everything right, but just because he loves you. Say, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Say, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Say, God loves me extravagantly. Now think about that. Most Christians, if you ask them, does God love you? Oh, of course God loves me. You won't really find a Christian that won't agree to that. In theory, in theology, but in practical living. I don't know if God loves me. I did this. I did that. I said this. Oh, he really loves that person but me? No, he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. You have to not just know it. You have to believe it. It has to go from head knowledge to heart belief. A belief that guides your life. What does Romans 10, 17 says? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The only way you're going to believe the love of God is if you consistently hear the love of God. If you consistently talk about the love of God, because you hear yourself talking about the love of God. If you consistently sing about the love of God. That's how you flush out fear. You have to know, you have to believe. That means you have to talk about it, you have to sing about it, you have to continually remind yourself God loves you. You have to walk through your house. You have to walk through your life saying, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. You may not even believe it yet. It may seem contradictory to everything you thought you knew. But as you keep saying it, your faith will rise in the love of God. You'll begin to believe more and more, there's nothing God wouldn't do for me. Because I'm still, you might be saying, I'm still learning these things in the word of God, but I know I'm going to win in this situation because God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Because if Jesus was in this situation, Jesus would win because the Father loves him. So I got to win because God loves me just like he loves Jesus. 
but that is confidence that comes from the belief in God's love for you. And that has to grow. It has to be so strong it fills all of your thinking that God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. What also has to fill your thinking is God is not trying to punish me. God is not out to get me. Some people don't want to seek God because they think God's going to tell them something that's going to harm them. No, everything God tells you to do from his word and by his spirit is because he loves you. It comes from a place of love, of extravagant love, having your best interest in mind and having others' best interest in mind. He loves you. You have to know the love and you have to believe the love. You have to talk about the love. You have to sing about the love. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Your faith must increase in God's extravagant love for you. The continual hearing of the love of God will increase your faith in God's love and will begin to flush out fear. You have to on purpose talk about, sing about, and think on the love of God. One of the things we've been singing to our daughter, Lexi, since before she was born, was Jesus loves you, this I know. Why? Not just because it's a cute song, all the kids should know it. She's going to have a revelation. God loves her. God loves me. God loves me. So before she, Jesus can't say all the words, but she knows the song. And she loves to hit the every other word. She'll say something that sounds like it. And so we'll teach her to point at herself and says, God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? She's going to grow knowing Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. One of the most consistent things you'll hear from her parents, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Why? She's grown in confidence. Because some people grew up in denominations of, well, God's going to get you. God's going to zap you. You better be good because God's going to get you. Now I'm raising a child in faith say, so yeah, you're going to be good because Jesus loves you. Amen. You're doing this because Jesus loves you. You're not trying to live a life because you owe God something. You're living a life because you love God. It's a difference. Because if you're living your life because you believe you owe God something, you're operating of incorrect theology. Because everything God did, he gave to you as a gift. We call it grace. You do not work for a gift. You work for a wage. So I said, oh, God did so many things for me. I owe him my life. That's a nice religious thought, but you do not owe God anything. If you operate from a thinking, I have to pay God back, you will not operate from love, and you will abuse your fellow man. How do I know that? The parable Jesus told of forgiveness about the person who owed millions of dollars in debt and the person who owed $20. The person who owed millions upon millions of dollars of debt came to the king because the king said, it's time for you to pay. You can't pay. I'm throwing you in a prison. And he said, king, have mercy on me, and I will pay you all. And it says the king was moved with compassion, and he forgave him his debt. He canceled his debt. So in one moment of mercy and compassion, his entire debt was canceled. What was the first thing that man did? He ran and found someone who owed him $20. Said it grabbed him by a neck and shook him. Pay me what you owe me. 
And he says, give me a little bit more time, I will pay you everything. He did not believe him, and he threw him in jail till he could pay him back. The other servants said, this guy, how could you do this? So they went and told the Lord, he didn't forgive. Now, we just think, okay, that's just a bad man. But why would the first thing you do after you've been forgiven a debt to go find someone who owes you? You truly don't believe that your debt is forgiven. You just think you got an extension. You're still trying to pay him back. So many Christians live a life outside of love and call it holiness because they think they're trying to pay God back. But when he operates from a place of freedom, he operates from a place he loves me. I'm not doing this because I'm afraid of God. I'm not doing this because I'm trying to pay God back. He loves me. It just makes sense for me to give him my life. Out of my love for him and what he's done, I freely give. It's from a place of love. It goes on and says, we love God because he first loved us. Jesus defined loving him as doing what he says. We do what God says because he loves us. It's out of love. But if we do it out of other motives, our good works will be tainted. Our sacrifices will be polluted. Our lives will be corrupted. And we think, well, I'm doing good things, but it's not from the right motive. If you're trying to do things to get God to love you, you can't do it. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Anything you're trying to do to make God love you more is a false work. It's going to be polluted. It's going to be tainted. It's not going to be what it should be. But if it's from the place of the love of God, it will be what it should be. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us. Shed abroad is also translated poured out. Shed abroad is also translated poured out. When you are born again, the love of God was poured into your heart. But what was poured into your heart must grow. What was poured into your heart must increase. Because if it doesn't increase, you will still have fear in your life. You can't just stay with where you're born again. Every believer is given the same measure of faith. But people don't use their faith. People go, oh, I just wish I had faith like so-and-so. Well, you know why faith has, so-and-so has such faith? They use what they were given. And they grew it. You know, someone came to Oral Roberts one time for prayer, and they said, oh, I have all the faith in the world. And Oral Roberts said, that's your problem. You never released it. So people don't use their faith. I would listen to Brother Copeland said he would go to Oral Roberts' tent meetings and pray for people with them. And he said he loved to watch how Oral Roberts moved because he, he said, he's the first person I met who would use his faith on purpose. It wasn't by accident. He knew what he was doing to minister healing to people. But that's because he used what he was given. He grew what he was given. When he studied First and Second Thessalonians, Paul commends that church where he wrote those letters a few months apart, talking about how their faith grows exceedingly and their love overflows. 
He says, you don't need to teach anyone, not anyone to teach you about loving your neighbor because you've been taught by God. But I want to remind you, increase in it. You're already doing a good job, but take it to another level. A few months later, he says, your love is overflowing. What's in you must increase. What's in you must grow. 1 John 4.18, the message version says, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, the love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear since fear is crippling. A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. First John 4, 12 in the King James says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us. And his love is perfected in us. You have to know the love of God. You have to believe the love of God. You have to talk about and sing about the love of God. We're still talking about how to flush fear from your life. But you also must love one another. That is how love grows up. So you have to know what God, how God loves you. You have to believe God loves you. You have to speak about the love that God has for you so that you can grow the love God has for you, but they also must love one another. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic Edition. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious. Vainglorious means excessively proud of oneself, of, one achieve, of one's achievements. It says it does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it's not self-seeking. It is not touchy. Just slap 75% of the church of God right there. Or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. I said earlier at the beginning of the message, where love is not king, fear has a home. Where love is not king, fear has a home. Fear can enter through offense broken relationships, and unforgiveness. Fear can enter through offense, broken relationships, and unforgiveness. We said earlier, fear is the hook torment hangs on. Is there torment in your life? Check for offense. Check for offense. Are there people in your life you have refused to forgive? People who have hurt you, who have done you wrong, and you refuse to forgive everybody of everything. 
you've refused to let it go. So now here's an open door of unforgiveness, an open door of offense, because love is not king in this area. So here's how the enemy slips in fear when you don't think you're afraid. And so, Mr. Barksdale, help me again. You're thinking, I'm fear-free. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. You're making your faith confessions. You're praising God. You're fullness, overflow, glory. I'm going to get my promised land. But as you're going, not forgiving who hurts you, this hook is coming out because fear is coming in because there's a place for it to be. Fear has now entered in, and now there's torment on your life, and you're wondering why you can't let things go. Why is this ex tormenting you? Why do you keep going to dry wells trying to get something? Why do you keep calling your ex? Why do you keep doing these different things? Why do you keep thinking about these people? It's because torment is there because now it has a hook because you refuse to forgive. And the torment will stay until it takes everything from you. You have to get rid of the fear. And as you flush out fear, you have to make sure there's no opening for it to come in another one. That's how he'll sneak it in. Because it'll go under, people call it wisdom. But it's really fear renamed. I'm afraid someone's going to hurt me again. Yeah, no one else is going to get close to me like that again because the last person did that. Yeah, you're afraid. Nope, I'm not going to give 100% of my job anymore because last time I did that, someone took credit for what I did, and I lost that job, so I'm not going to do that. It's fear. It's fear operating under another name, but it's still fear. That comes in through offense, that comes through hurt, that comes through broken relationships. There's a door open, and now fear can get in, so can torment. If you do not flush out the fear... You will not possess the fullness of the promised land. You'll stay on the outside. The promised land will remain on the horizon. You must forgive everybody of everything, and you must meditate on the love of God. You must think on the love of God. You must leave things in the past. Leave things in 2017 that need to stay in 2017. Keep going forward, because if you don't, fear will be there, and you won't be able to receive what God has for you. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. That means your faith's not going to work the way it's supposed to. And you wonder why, ah, now I'm trying to believe God for something. Why is it not manifesting? Your faith's contaminated. Because faith is fueled by love, the Bible tells us. Faith worketh by love, Galatians 5, 6. Now love is not operating in this area. Fear is. So your faith is not working to its 100% possibility. So things take longer for you to receive the result. It takes longer for manifestations to come. It takes longer for prayers to be answered. Not because God doesn't love you. Not because God has put a delay on it. Because you delayed it. Because of fear, offense, contaminated faith. Believing that God's trying to punish you for whatever you did wrong. Trying to work to get God to love you more. Those things will shut down your faith. But those things are normal. Those things are religious. But those things will keep you in bondage. You must believe the love God has for you. You must flush out fear. 
and never let it come back. Now, how do you flush it out even further? Let me give you something to say. Go to Matthew 22. As I said before, a lot of insecurities are rooted in fear. Personal insecurities, relationship insecurities, financial insecurities, things you're insecure is rooted in fear. So if you have a poor self-image and you walk around thinking, well, everybody's looking at me, everybody's talking about me, that's fear. The root of that is fear. And the things, there will be things that you think are normal and part of your personality that you don't realize are fear-based and rooted in fear. There may be things you don't like. You say, oh, I just don't like it. No, you're rooted in fear. I remember growing up, I thought I didn't like roller coasters. I really did not like going upside down, all that. And I thought I just didn't like it. I didn't realize I was afraid of heights to that extent. You know, a little bit, you know, going on their plane. No, I don't want to sit by a window, put an aisle. Yes, I'm tall, my feet out there, but I didn't want to look out the window. I didn't realize it was a fear. And so Brother Copeland came along in 2001 and declared his war on fear. And all he preached on for a good year and a half was the love of God. That is all he preached on. And if you know Brother Copeland, it's not a short message. Hours. Hours. And I mean hours on the love of God. And this is back 2003, 2004 when the first iPod came out. And so... I just downloaded all those messages onto my iPod. So when I needed to take a fear flush, I just listened to that for hours. I'd play it at night when I went to sleep. What I'm doing, I'm getting ready to fear. I'm driving. I'm getting rid of fear. And so as I did that, because I noticed certain insecurities in my life, and as he was preaching, I was like, oh, those are fear-based. And as I kept listening to these messages, God would call it out. Yeah, that's fear. And as I kept listening, those fear was gone. Those insecurities disappeared. And then... I realized I wasn't afraid of roller coasters. I wasn't afraid of heights. I didn't even knew that was there. Here's how free I got. I thought about going skydiving. That's how free I got. There was a moment I almost did it, decided not to, and later Raquel said, thank God. So, but what happened? I had meditated on the love of God to such a point, what used to hold me, even though I didn't even realize something was holding me, disappeared. Are there things in your life that are holding you that you think they're your personality that are actually fear? Are there things you've just grown so used to living this way for years and decades that shouldn't be that has been holding you back and it's actually fear? You won't know that until you spend time meditating on the love of God and you let the Holy Ghost, the spirit of love, call that out. Yeah, that's fear. That's fear you've tolerated. That's held your faith back. So Matthew 22, verse 37. This is how I got rid of fear. And this is what I do on a regular basis to make sure fear doesn't come back or get a home. We see the love commandment. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. So one of the things I'll begin to say because we love God because he first loved us. If God commands us to love this way, we know the way God loves us. So this is just our response to God's extravagant love. 
So, Father, I believe you love me extravagantly. I believe you love me as much as you love Jesus. So I love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I love my neighbor as I love myself because it pleases you. But then Jesus said something in John 13. Go there. John 13, 34. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So Jesus says, I want you to love others just like I love you. So this goes, takes loving neighbors as yourself to another level. So it goes to love others just like Jesus loves you. So how do you do that? Father, you love me extravagantly. And I love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Your love has been poured out into my heart by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of love who's given unto me. And I stir up that love right now. That love overflows and fills to such a point that people, it saturates me to such a point that people can sense the love of God just by being in my presence. That love overflows more and more. Now I don't want just to be a recipient of your love. I desire to be a conduit of your love. And then I go through, I will love others as Jesus loves me. I love my spouse as Jesus loves me. I love my children as Jesus loves me. I love my family as Jesus loves me. I love my friends as Jesus loves me. I love my church as Jesus loves me. I love the brethren as Jesus loves me. I love my fellow man as Jesus loves me. I'm going through a list. What am I doing? I'm working the love that has poured into me. I'm making a decision at the start of my day. I am going to walk in love. So that means my reaction is not based on what they do. It's based on my decision. That I decided at the start of my day, I am walking in love because Jesus said so. I'm getting rid of fear by making the decision to walk in love. Now, what is the first strike mentality? I'm going to get them before they get me. You're afraid somebody's going to get you, so you lash out. That's fear. And it usually comes from a place of hurt because someone hurt you before. There's just fear masquerading around again. You have to make a decision. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to let things go. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be whole. I'm going to be complete and mature in the love of God. I'm going to be a conduit of the love of God. Everything that used to hold me back can't hold me back anymore. Fear has to leave because the love of God is king in me. The love of God is growing in me. It's maturing in me. Because Jesus is the author and the developer or the finisher of our faith. I take Jesus as the author and the developer of my faith. My faith grows exceedingly. And that love fuels my faith. So what I'm doing, I'm talking about the promises of God. As I talk about the promises of God, I'm activating the, the love of God. I'm activating the promises of God. And it grows to a point, it flushes out all fear. But this is a lifestyle, not just a moment. It's a lifestyle of decisions. It's a lifestyle of speaking. It's a lifestyle of believing the love. When you look at John 15, 9, Jesus says, continue in my love. Or abide, dwell, live in my love. To keep on living in a place free from fear, you have to live in a reality 
of how much God loves you. You live in a day and age where fear is everywhere. Fear makes money. Fear is all over the news. They're trying to make you afraid. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, there's a network to make you afraid. You could be on the left, there's a network that makes you afraid about what's going to happen to those on the left. You're on the right, there's a network that can make you afraid of what's going to happen to those on the right. You're in the middle, there's a network to talk about, well, you're going to be afraid because both going to happen to you. What is this? Fear. 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 It's pushed. It's peddled your way. You live in a world where you see, even if you don't watch the news, you have enough things that happen around that you just see, you are tempted to be afraid. You've seen enough. You've heard enough. Why? Satan's trying to get a hook. Remember, Job said, I feared a fear, and that fear came upon me. It didn't come until he entered into fear. He's looking for ways to get his will into your house. But when love has a run of the house, as we said in 1 John, he can't do what he wants to do. Love fuels your faith. When you believe that God loves you just like he loves Jesus, you can live free. You can be so free that, well, what if they kill you? I'm going to see Jesus. That is the Christian's worst case scenario. I go to see Jesus early. That's your worst case scenario. One thing if you weren't saved, but you saved. Your worst case scenario is to go see Jesus early. That's not his will. He wants you to live long on this earth. He wants you to live strong on this earth. He wants you to fulfill your call. But your worst case scenario, every fear manifested is that at the end of it, you die. You die alone. You die from sickness. You die from lack. You die from this. You die from that. At the root of everything is death. Take it to that point. You go see Jesus. That's why when Jesus went to the cross, what is 1 Corinthians 15? He says, he took the sting of death. That means when you die, you're not going to feel it. You're just going to be on earth and all of a sudden say, hey, I feel a lot better. Oh, look. Hey, it's really bright up here. What's that? So you can't be afraid of death. So you have to live in such confidence that I'm going to win because God loves me. The situation is not going to take me down because God loves me. Yep, doesn't matter what happened in that relationship. God loves me. God's got me. Yep, the, gave, the doctor gave me that report. God's going to heal me because he loves me. Amen. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, God loves me, so he's going to tell me what to do. Living in complete confidence of the love of God. Living in complete knowing God loves me. Because when you do that, Satan can't hold you back. You know, we talk about the apostle of love, John. They couldn't kill him. They tried over and over and over again to even when he was an old man. They dropped him in a vat of oil. They pulled him back, and he's there waving at people. They found a man he couldn't kill. Why? This is the man who said, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. John didn't just develop into that after Jesus rose from the dead. He believed it while Jesus walked on the earth. How do you know that? He leaned on Jesus and said, hey, you may not tell the rest of the disciples, but you can tell me. And it wasn't just his own accord leaning. Peter said, 
Look, he loves you. Tell, ask. They all believe. Jesus loves John. John believed it. And John had access to revelation that others didn't get because they didn't believe the love the same way. Peter saw great miracles. He was the leader, but John got access, lived longer because he believed the love. What are you missing on because you've limited the love of God? You've limited your belief in the love of God. You've held it back because you think you don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But he loved us anyway. So you have to believe it. That'll make you a champion. It says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Height, depth, no. Demons, principalities, no. Sword, peril, no. Danger, insufficiency, nope. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. If you want to be victorious in this Christian life, you have to believe the love of God. You have to live in this reality. You have to think on this reality. You have to talk of this reality. You have to sing of this reality that God loves you. So stand to your feet. Let's flush out some fear. Say, Father, I believe that you love me extravagantly. You love me as much as you love Jesus. You did everything you did for me because you loved me. I believe your love. I know your love. I receive your love. Your love has been poured out into my heart by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of love who was given unto me. That love saturates every cell of my being so that people can sense the love of God just by being in my presence. And with that love, I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And I desire to be a conduit of that love. So I love my neighbor as I love myself. I love my neighbor as Jesus loves me. This love is growing, maturing, perfecting in my heart. It evicts, kicks out, casts out, fleshes out all fear because fear has torment. Fear is gone. Torment is gone. This love fuels my faith, and my faith grows exceedingly. Because I've taken Jesus as the author and the developer of my faith. Thank you for loving me, just like you love Jesus. You have to say things like that every day. You have to sing things like that every day. Any song you can think about how much God loves you, you need to sing it. Sing it in the morning, sing it at night, sing it under your breath. You know, there were moments in different points of my life dealing with different things when fear would try to get a hold. At night, I'd wake up afraid of a situation or a circumstance. And I would just go take a few minutes and go over some love scriptures. 
and I'll just sing, oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. I would start singing things like that. It didn't take long. Maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute, maybe on the really heavy days, five minutes. All the fear was gone. There's no more attack of fear. It disappeared. Why? I flushed it out. I refused to be afraid. We talked about last week, saying no to fear. But this week, this is how you get rid of it all. Before we go, Minister Dathan, sing something. You sing that. You talk about it. You keep singing it, it becomes your reality. You'll walk around more aware of the love of God than you are of fear. It'll strengthen your boldness because you won't be afraid of anything. So God will tell you to do something and you'll go, well, what if this happens? Ah, oh, it doesn't matter what happens. Jesus loves me. It's your confidence. But it comes from revelation. And revelation is progressive. If you keep letting it build, it'll become your reality. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.